This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, today we get to celebrate Easter 2021, and I've been sensing so much of what God's presence is doing, even in, through the service, even before um, getting here this morning. Woke up early, just felt this impression to get here, uh, get to church, and didn't even really know why, but then uh, I had uh, an intersection with somebody who I wouldn't have been able to have that time with because they, had, uh, they were here waiting. I mean, we were the first two people. Um, actually, I think Kristen was the first one here, and then I was the second one person here, and he was here, and we just had this time to get together. You know, that that's what God's all about. God wants us to have these intersections in our life. Jonathan, can I get somebody for bringing that um, over here to, to me? I have, um, anyway, what I wanted to like to uh, share with you today is what is Easter? You know, and we're gonna talk today about how God does, you know, brought redemption. And sometimes we come into church in, in these spaces of time and we follow traditions, we follow, maybe we're dragged here by somebody else. Uh, maybe we just thought it was a good thing to do to, is to come to church. Um, uh, thanks, Eric. And we, do, we lose sight of why. You know, and we're, always, we're such a generation about cause today and the why. And yet we really miss the real depth of why when it comes to spiritual matters. And we're, we're so caught up in thinking and we're, so, we're such a, a, a society that's trying to, I would just say humanly, fix everything. And yet we've never been more messed up than ever before. And if we could just learn it, if we could just maybe reflect that we're creatures that were made by a creator. And from the very beginning, God would come. In fact, if you could put the passage up there, uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, is, I think it's such a, a wonderful passage to talks about what God and Adam and Eve had. I don't know if you ever imagined things. I like to, I like to, I have an imagination. And I would think about how God would every single day come into Adam's space and this is what he would do. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we are, and our, and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. So when I see this in you know, this passage, and if we can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in a moment, uh, I see this God coming into Adam's life and going, hey, I got a secret. And Adam's going, I got a secret. And they're having this intersection of time. And, and the presence of God was what they had every single day. And then one moment, one day, we don't know how long it was in that garden time with Adam and Eve. But the serpent comes in and basically tells Adam and Eve that, you know what, God's holding something back. Yet, God has had this presence and secrets with God every day. 
And that's the whole, that was the temptation, that was the, the, the lust, the moment of space where Adam and Eve turned and said, God's secrets and God's ways aren't enough for me anymore. They wanted, and Adam said, I want to figure this out on my own. And I believe that there are many in this audience right now, and maybe even some that are watching, that are, you know, in that place of going, I've made a, such a mess in my life. Or maybe you even had some form of success in your life, and you're in that place going, I want to figure this thing out on my own. And then once I somehow get this thing figured out, then I'm going to go over there and maybe I'll have time for God. And yet what I love about Jesus as he walks on planet earth for 30 years and, uh, and, and then begins his ministry. And in the space of those three years time, he meets with prostitutes, he meets with, prosti- you know, with politicians, he meets with the white collar, the blue collar, he meets with all of these, you know, he meets with a mother grieving over a child. He meets with, you know, a, um, a mother-in-law and who's sick. And he meets just with all these intersections. He's revealing his secrets of who he is. And the secret is, is this, this, I'm here because daddy sent me. Your father in heaven sent me to have the presence of God back in your life. That's what Easter's all about. It's called redemption. And that's a big churchy word, but we, which means to bring things back to the way they originally were. And the originally were is that God wanted to reveal secrets, that God wants you in the space. So I don't need to go to church to be saved. No, but God reveals secrets in church. Why wouldn't you want to be there? Well, I don't need to worship God to be saved. But God reveals his secrets in the space of worship. Why wouldn't you want to worship? Well, I don't really need to give, you know, because, I mean, that's just, I mean, God doesn't need my money. Well, why wouldn't you want to give? Because in the space of that giving, he reveals his secrets. God is always wanting to reveal who he is to our lives. Not because it's going to hold you accountable to it, but because you can see who he is and that you're made in his image and that you'll find out who you are. Never has mankind been so lost. And why? Because they're not looking at the redemptive plan of who God is. Never has there been a space. In fact, the cross, in fact, I don't know where you're at in the service about what the cross means to you. But this morning, the Lord quickened this verse back to me. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 through 29. And I, I, I dare to, to believe that many of you will find yourself somewhere in the space of understanding of this passage. 1 Corinthians 1, 18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are heading for destruction. But we who are being saved, notice it says not just saved, but being saved, which means the power of God, once you accept Christ, is, becomes your being. You are in a life-changing journey. You're being saved. Yes, you're, you can't get any more saved on, on your way to heaven, but God is bringing his saving power on the inside of your life. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this lead the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. 
Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. You can't find God through your empty studies. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. It is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ crucified, the Jews are offended. The Gentiles say it's nonsense. But to those called by God, to those who are being saved, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And the God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, the few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things that of the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. There's the truth. There's the secret. It's the presence of God. From the beginning, God wanted his presence with mankind. Every day God would visit. Man, God has always wanted to have intersection, to have his presence with your life. And maybe you're here today and you don't know what the presence of God is. It is a step of humility in your life. Say, God, I just want you. You were made for God's presence. You were designed. We will one day live eternally in some presence, whether in hell, in the presence without God, or in heaven with the presence with God. But that is what you are made to be. God designed you not to be absent from God, to be, be present with God. And he paid the ultimate price. His name is Jesus. That was the ultimate price to redeem man back to the presence of God. Let's pray. Father... I only ask that you make this message understandable. That, Lord, you could mix it coming from my vocal cords and help others see you. God, that they wouldn't hear me, they wouldn't see me, they would see you. And, God, that you would be real and present in their life. That our Lord, Lord we would be being saved. But for some of us, it's a start in that direction with you for the first time. For others, Lord God, it's a journey into the power of Christ. And Father, we realize that out in the world that the cross is foolish. Doesn't even make any sense. Human wisdom, can't, it, it thinks it's illogical. It thinks it's nonsense. But to us, God, it's the power of being present with you again. Father, I pray that that power lives and moves and has been in this service and in our lives. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, I'm going to try to help you understand, and so that maybe you can even take some time throughout this week and maybe even the months to come to explain to people outside of the camp of God what they're missing, what they're missing. Luke 22, verse 14, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you, before my suffering begins. 
For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine, he gave thanks to God for it, and then he said, take this, share it amongst yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks for it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper, he took another cup of wine and said, the cup, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us, is a friend and the man who will betray me. So what is Easter? Best way I can understand it is the three word is it's a new promise, it's a new covenant. Adam and Eve broke promise, didn't allow the secrets of God to be alive inside of their life, began to, at that point in their life, they turned their face against God, and the presence of God began to get more and more distant. Jesus came into this earth so that the very redemptive plan could come, so that we could be present with God Again, so Easter, what does it really represent? It represents hope. Everybody say hope. It's a secret that's revealed. And that's why that same secret, so many people on the world, they think it's foolishness. They think it's nonsense. But to us who are being saved, understand it to be the very secret of God, the redemptive plan of God. Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 6 says this, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Papa God, Abba Father. Number two, Easter's God's hope for mankind, it was a secret. Angels looked into this. Prophets of old looked into this. They did not understand. When you're reading the, the Old Testament, they were just getting glimpses and pictures. They were getting little secrets, but they didn't understand the storyline. They didn't really understand the redemptive plan. It was so marvelous and so, in fact, it, even heaven itself could hardly grasp the understanding of God's redemptive plan. And so for mankind to discard it and to treat it as so disdain, the, heaven just, heaven, the kingdom of heaven just looks at it and goes, what in the world? How in the world can they not see what Jesus has done for them? In 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12, records this. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their message was not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preach the, the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching things that happen. Angels are watching you being saved, seeing the power of God and the presence of God in your life and watching your life evolve into a kingdom child of God. I want you to watch this video to help you understand. While we turned away from him, he turned his heart toward us. While we chased after selfish desires, 
He chased after us. While we made excuses for our misguided choices, pursuing an elusive sense of fulfillment, he emptied himself to take the form of a servant. This unthinkable inequity, our Creator clothed in flesh and weakness for the sake of those clothed in iniquity. While we were lost and alone, He became a path for us. While we embraced the comfort of falsehood, He embraced us and showed us truth. While we were eclipsed in shadow, our spirits broken and dying, He became life and light to all. Our shepherd, our teacher, our savior and king. And when it seemed the world had given up, He gave up everything. At just the right time, when we were powerless, He displayed His power and purpose. While we stood accused, He accepted the accusation. He endured humiliation and the untold suffering of crucifixion. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not because we deserved it, far from it, but because there has never been a greater love than the love of Jesus. Today, if you feel hopeless, He gives hope unconditionally. If you've been rejected, He accepts you completely. If your burdens weigh heavy, lay your fears and failures at the foot of the cross, for His blood has erased them entirely. No longer a slave, but an heir of salvation, you are His child, His chosen. You are His beloved. Such love, such a sacrifice, so much passion from heaven. Angels are longing to look into this. Prophets of old for thousands of years have prophesied. Even just, just the little things that they understood didn't even grasp it. But yet God wasn't telling them, write this down. They didn't even know what they were writing. Long knowing that they were all part of a chapter. Knowing that they are part of a journey. And that God, this redemptive plan, wasn't just some misthought thought. This was something that says, I am going to come back. And I'm going to bring victory into mankind. I have These children that I've made in my image are going to be back into the presence of God. That's the plan that God has made for us. Easter was and is hope unwrapped for you. But like anything that's a present, anything that comes in your life, you're the one that has to receive it. You're the one that has to make it real for you. Could it just be a foolish story for you? Could it just be something that's been handed down from your grandparents to you? Is it something that maybe you were just maybe brought up in? Is it just some tradition that means almost to no effect to you? Or is it going to be the presence of God that's going to bring a being saved inside of your life? Yeah, I want to tell you something. If you're in this space and you know what? If you don't know what the presence of God is then I guarantee you there's something inside of your life right now that is knocking on your heart going, there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. Because Jesus Christ literally put, by his creation, a space in every person's life that longs 
for the creator that has eternity on the inside of their life and has a desire to say, I want more out of life. Now you may go over there and try to get more out of life by what you accomplish, by how much money you make, by your chasing of you know the women or men. You may try to do it on a party. You may try to do it, but I want to tell you it will always end in frustration. It will always end in foolishness and you will realize and it will leave for more and more longing, more and more longing. That's why those who have addictive behaviors, all they do is go over the further into the addiction. Why? Because you are made to desire God. You are married to have a presence with God. God put that space inside of you so that nothing else would ever satisfy, though you could try to fill it in so many different ways. And Adam and Eve started it. I am so sorry. They started trying to fill that space of the presence of God with deceit and things of this world. The very creation itself became the very thing that they longed for instead of the creator that made it. Well, from the beginning, God says, I'm going to bring this redemptive plan, and it's been a journey. And so maybe you guys understand a little bit of that, but hopefully I can help you a little bit further along. When Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says that God has spiritual laws, and maybe you understand those, and maybe you don't. It doesn't really matter whether we do, because again, the cross is foolishness. We don't really understand the whole ramifications of it, any of it. But God had a spiritual law, and that spiritual law says, lest there's a shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And so from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, they found out that they were sinned. Why did they find out their sin? Because God's presence was so strong, even in the midst of their, you know, their going over there in treachery toward God. God was still looking for them, and they're hiding from God. And they put themselves some kind of fig leaves or some kind of uh, clothing, attire on them because they realized that they were naked. And God says, well, who told you that you're naked? Who told you this? And blah, blah, blah. He, he, geez, God already knew, but he was trying to draw the truth out of them. And instead of the truth of them becoming transparent with God, like that's what God wants from you right now in this moment. You just saying, God, I just need you. I'm tired of, tired of trying to figure this out on my own. I'm tired of trying to figure out my marriage. I'm tired of trying to figure out my children, my grandchildren, my finances, my health. I'm trying to, tired of trying to figure out the government. I am tired of just, well, yeah, you're meant to because your rest is supposed to be in God. This world will leave you just frustrated and tired and hopeless. But in God, you'll find a fullness. And so Adam and Eve tried to figure this thing out on their own. God says, look, God had to kill his own creation, shed blood for the very first time, killed, killed one of his creations to go over there so that Adam and Eve could be clothed with an animal. And then God said, well, you know what? I'm not going to be pleased with, obviously, a sacrifice of an animal. And we, we know that through the Old Testament, we see the sacrifices of an animal. And then we find in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, this thing called a Passover. Now, maybe you don't know what it is, and maybe you've watched something on you know, TV or whatever, um, Moses and in the Exodus, but what it was is that Jesus, it was a type and shadow, all right? And what happened was is the Passover was a lamb, and they put the blood of that lamb on the doorpost of, of where they were living, and if, that the angel of death would cross over and it could not touch. That's exactly what's going to happen over our lives. Only it's not a lamb's blood, it's Jesus. He was the lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Not just for some Jews, not just for some people that lived thousands of years ago, but Jesus. Well, so this type and shadow, the Passover, and then they'd been celebrating this Passover. You know why God did that? Because it was a secret. 
And he was revealing a secret so that the people would know what was to come, that there would be a Lamb of God. And then we had prophets and we had kings, and they were all having pictures and little secrets. And then Jesus came on this earth. He says, you know what? He says, you guys, you guys memorize the word of God, and the word of God speaks about me, and yet here I am, and you don't recognize me. Because see, what happens so many times, we can get caught up in a letter and not the presence of the letter. Who wrote the letter? God himself. And in that space, Jesus was walking again to the prostitutes and to the politicians and to the white collar and to the blue collar. He was having intersections with life, trying to reveal his daddy in heaven so that our hearts would cry out, Abba, Father, because that's what Easter is all about. That's the hope to get us back into the presence of God. Number four, what is the real secret of the meaning of Easter? He became the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. John 1, 29-34, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Jesus was to be revealed so that he could reveal the Father. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remained on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain, it is he who will baptize in the Holy Spirit. I have seen this and testified that this is the Son of God. Jesus is the resurrection Son of God, victorious over sin and death. Easter is not just about his death, but it's about his burial, and it's about his resurrection. Easter is about victory for you. Will you choose it? Will you choose today, maybe for the first time, to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? Maybe it's your being saved. Maybe you've been in this journey and you just got caught up with things in the world and maybe you just haven't found yourself in the presence of God. I'm gonna tell you something. God wants us in the presence of God every day. I don't wanna be in church because I'm bored and I got nothing else to do. I wanna be in church because of the presence of God. Well, I don't wanna pray because you know what? Because I just, you know, they're just words, they're empty. No, I wanna be in the presence of God. And sometimes my prayer, I can be praying for 20 minutes and feel none of his presence, yet God is present. It's me that's struggling with the presence of God. Adam and Eve created this environment where we struggle with the presence of God. We got so much of this world in us, it's hard to connect because we have so much human wisdom, we have so much human understanding, we have so much reasoning that goes inside of us. It is so hard to connect with a Father up in heaven. And I love it because God didn't make it so hard. He just says, all you gotta do is cry out, Abba Father, Papa God. And yet, you know, it sounds really simple, but in the space of prayer time, sometimes it takes me a long time to just whatever, just get off the, you know, my marriage, the, the church, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the finances, the two new pastors that we have to hire, what's going on in my business, all this stuff, that just, ah, just noise. It's hard to shut it off and just get caught in the presence of God. And Jesus paid such an ultimate price for me to get in that space. 
And so for me to say I don't have time to take 20 minutes or even 30 minutes or even an hour to get in that space, that seems pretty presumptuous, does it not? A friend of mine I was sharing, and they, uh, he has a long travel. goes to Grand Rapids, and I remember when I was working at Steelcase, and I did a lot at the same time. I, I spent a lot of time praying on the way to Steelcase when I worked there. And I asked him, I go, I said, I get what you're doing. I think it's really efficient. It's effective. But is it quality? I was thankful that my heart, when I would pray, I says, but I, I'm going to challenge you, sir. I says, but because I want to challenge you that when you get home and there's all the busyness that you still have, the lawn's going to need to be taken care of, and, and you know, and the, mar- the wife wants a hug, and the kids are pulling you in this direction and that direction, are you going to find this space to get in God's presence? Because that's what Jesus did. He redeemed you to be in that space. Not so that you can drive down the road 75 mile an hour and talk about, cast all your cares on God and talk about this. He redeemed you so that you could get caught up in his presence. Because let me tell you something. People that got caught up in his presence of God, they literally got drunk in the Holy Spirit. They got caught up. Some got caught up in laughter. Some got caught up in crying. Some got caught up. But tell you something, the presence of God will arrest you. It will arrest you. And all of a sudden, the things in this world, all your hopelessness, all your despair, all your frustration, all of a sudden, it just doesn't mean anything because the presence of God just ripped you inside and made you alive. And all of a sudden, you have this desire, this passion to say, God, thank you for who you are in my life. And everything else, though it didn't go away, but it just doesn't seem to have the relevance and picture of despair that it had now you have, you realize you're not in this life alone. That's what God wanted. Adam and Eve were walking planet Earth, and they weren't alone, though God would come and go. Though you feel God coming and going, you're not alone. God has come here to be present with your life, and he sent his own son so you could have access to that. Not to have access to a church service. Yes, that's where the presence of God is. Not so that you can have access just to your Bible. Yes, you'll find God's truth in it. But that you would find a space in your heart to say, God, I just want to be present with you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your worship. Thank you for friendships that love you and fellowship in the Holy Spirit. We're going to close on this. In John chapter 1, verse 10 and 12, it says this. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who he believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Are you struggling recognizing God? Are you struggling receiving God? That's the whole purpose of Jesus Christ. It's the whole plan of God. Not so that the person next to you, but you. So that you would have a a space in your heart and a space in your life of oneness with God. That you're his son, that you're his daughter, and that you have something inside of you calls out, Papa God, Papa God. This morning, I had the privilege to um, 
have a, a, just a moment with another brother in the Lord who I have on and off prayed for for the uh, last year who went through some uh, pretty hard times. And he came to me and said, Pastor, um, just got some really good news to share with you. And the very thing that was so hard has reconciled. And I was just so broke because that's what being saved is. That's a person who walked a journey through all the hopelessness and all the despair and fellowshiped with God's kids. Nothing was changing on the outside, but on the inside he was alive. And he had a hope that didn't wasn't of this world. And he chose to grab that hope and not grab fear and not grab despair. He chose not to grab some church tradition or some spiritual hyped up message. He said, Jesus is going to be alive in my heart and no matter what goes on outside of me, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to stay this course. And this course through this whole year has brought even something that's even too marvelous to understand. I said, thanks for the great Easter present. Because to me, that's Easter. To me, it's being saved. For me, to to see somebody I can fellowship with who just, I don't know where you're at, and maybe some of you are in the midst of despair. But God is still present in your life. Are you going to recognize him? Are you going to receive him? Or are you going to be distant to him because of your hurt? I get the hurt. I've had a lot of it in my own life. But I choose to be present with God because to be present with God, getting me through the hurt, is a whole lot better than to be distant from God trying to figure it out on my own. I choose to fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because they give me strength to hang on sometimes to a thread of hope. Knowing that that thread of hope is attached to the presence of God. I am not in church because I'm hired to be here. I am in church because this is a place of the presence of God. And that is the message of Easter. Would you please bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here this morning... I know God's presence is here. He's been here way before I woke up. And he loves you. He's calling out your name. Are you in that space right now where you recognize it? Are you in that space where you want to receive it? Don't allow this past year or the past years to tell who you are you're a child of God that God has redeemed by the cross of Christ he paid an ultimate price so that you could be present with him behold the Lamb of God who takes the sin of the world upon himself so that you would not be so heavy laden so that you could be lifted up rise up in the presence of the Almighty God clean 
cleansed from all your sin, cleansed from your past. Yes, you'll be present with some of those trials, but God who's present with you, thanks be to God, will lead you victory to victory. If you're here this morning and you don't have that presence of God in your life, I want you to raise your hand nice and high and say, that's me. Would you please pray for me? Anybody here in this, in this house say, that's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Thank you. All right, church family, let's pray together right now. Say, Father in heaven, I choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I receive, I recognize what you have done, Jesus. And in my heart, I am being saved. I'm all yours. In this worship time, may my journey grow in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.